Liverpool wear red, Everton wear blue. We've made this podcast especially for you. Welcome to They Think It's All Over, Valentine's Day special. Hello, my sweethearts, my loves. This is They Think It's All Over, the Football Shirt Show. Who's showing us some love this week? It's Mike at Footy Shirts. And Tom at Shirt Fan. And I have to say, before we get into the nitty gritty, I have fallen in love tonight because a certain member of this podcast has joined just after their shower. And I have <laughs> beautiful, lovely locks for the first time in full flow and I'm smitten. You are one of a very select few who's who's ever seen that, to be honest with you. <laughs> he could have that chow tied around him a little bit higher, though, couldn't he? Just to... <laughs> but, you know, here we go. It's our very own lost story today, boys. And uh, are you doing anything special this evening? I say this evening, this is going out probably. We're going to sit this out late, aren't we? I can do a Valentine's Day special release. Not that tight. I mean, get this one out. <laughs> But any uh, any special plans for either of you? Have you um, either of you gone for any of the Valentine's football shirts this year? Absolutely not for me. No, definitely not. I'm not. I'm not a big fan. I think the it's a Salernitana one, isn't it? That's definitely the, the the better of the Valentine shirts I've seen. But it's still not for me to be honest. But then I am me and my wife. We don't even do Valentine's Day in our house, so maybe that's got something to do with it. How about yourself, I, Tom? I know we slagged off the. Uh the Napoli Valentine's Day shirt recently and I have a confession to make it's a case of forbidden love for me because it's really grown on me because it's so bad so bad and I agree with people saying it's the worst football shirt ever created and it is clip art crap but it's so bad and because everybody hates it I kind of love it a little bit and I think I would get one if it was a reasonable price um the Salernitana one is also really good and bonus points to them actually wearing it on valentine's weekend yeah I'm, i've been won over just um just to add to that in completely unrelated news <clears throat> we're actually looking for a new panelist for the podcast so if you get your applications into the email address we'll uh we'll see if anyone better than tom comes in uh, any special criteria mike that we're looking for uh to just not like any of the valentine's day <laughs> shirts really that's pretty much it Tom, I don't know if this is going to make you like the Napoli shirt even more, but um, they're wearing it again right now against Cremonese. Didn't work out too well in the cup, but um, they're wearing it tonight at home, an alternate Valentine shirt. So, What else have we got? I know Scott's not here. Is anybody going to make their apologies or his his apologies? I don't think we should apologise for him. What was his reason? Didn't he say he's got a new chopper to play with? I've not heard of it from him at all since... Um, the images of our 150th anniversary Scotland shirt were released. I mean, it is a good shirt. <laughs> I just wonder if he's having some serious loving. He's in a trance, isn't he? A love trance after that shirt. But to be fair, how good is that Scotland shirt? And credit where credit's due, we give him a lot of jip. And we also give our friends north of the border a lot of jip. But it's all, it's all friendly. It's all lighthearted. It's, you know, it's a love-hate relationship. But that shirt is fucking incredible i think it, far superior to anything england did for their 100th anniversary 
I, I, I agree. I, I think it's class. The, the badge looks incredible. The, the, the whole, the whole shirt is amazing. Just as it, for me, it's, it's the complete package as far as football shirts go. But again, I, I know I always say this, but I just think Adidas do things like that better than anybody else. Just I've come over all hot and sweaty because you said complete package, Mike. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting a bit too flustered for this Valentine's Day episode. Uh, Adidas certainly picking up where they left off from the World Cup. So, yeah, I think that's 150 years, I think it is, that the shirt's coming out for. So um, we look forward to see more images of that over the coming weeks. And I, I reckon a, a scramble to grab them. And I've been um, checking my family lineage to see if I've got any claims to it. Any uh, luck? Uh, absolutely zero luck. No Scottish in me at all. Um, dependent on your perspective of luck. Anything else in the news? There is one little thing I've noticed this week. Mike, you're selling some shirts. You dirty, dirty flipper. Yeah, I've, I've gone full time. So yeah, anybody who follows me on Twitter would have seen that this week I decided to have a massive overhaul of my collection. And for anybody who follows me, I know I got back. I know, it's, it's somewhere around 600 shirts. I only count when my wife makes me to prove a point. Um, and I did actually put four of those 600 up for sale this week. And three of them have gone, so I am now officially a seller. One of those was a Reebok shirt as well. How can you do that this week with our special? Oh, uh, do you know what? Any but any collector knows that it's it, any. I don't mean to sound like a twat when I say this, but any real collector knows that getting rid of shirts is the most difficult part. And and if you ever have to, it's painful. So it, when I did it, I actually the only reason I let one of those shirts go is because I have two Bloemfontein Celtic shirts made by Reebok, and I prefer the other one. One of them is a Liverpool shirt I bought because I'm a bit strange and people probably don't approve, but I'll happily wear a team shirt if I go to their stadium. So I bought a Liverpool shirt because I was meant to go to one of the Legends games and then I never ended up wearing it. Still had new tags on and I bought it for like 10 quid. So I just I just let someone else have it for 12 quid, including postage, just to cover my postage costs. And, you know, some lads picked that one up and he's really, really happy. But yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how people do it. I mean, do, do you guys ever have, ever have this problem? Buying stadiums, um, shirts because I've been to a stadium. That's a, that's not one that I've done before. I know people buy them when they go to the countries and cities and things. So I guess that's not too different. I th- do you know what I think it is? I, I think depending on where I'm going, that that, that I will say. Like the, the, the truth is, with live with Liverpool in general, I grew up in a Liverpool supporting family. When I was a kid, I was a Liverpool fan. I chose to become a Villa fan. So I'm not that bothered about, say, wearing a Liverpool shirt. Now, there are certain shirts I, I wouldn't wear. Like, I've been to Man United a few times. Again, growing up in a Liverpool sporting house, like you, you wouldn't see me in a Man United shirt. I wouldn't wear a Man City shirt and so on. But there are some teams I'm just not that bothered by, and I quite happily don their colours if I was going to support them at a game. Come on, Tom, you've got to give an opinion on this. I completely empathise with you, Mike. The thing is, I don't really sell shirts. The, 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 what I have is a terrible, terrible thing where if I notice something about a shirt, be it a fault or a mistake, be it in printing or something like that, even if I've loved that shirt, sometimes I can't get it out of my head and I do let that shirt go. And I don't do it often, have all been because I've noticed something, I'm not happy with them. And of course, I always tell the buyer, I always make it clear. In fact, I know the guy personally who I sold the last one to. Um, but it was just because I noticed there was a small scuff on the print and it just, it annoyed me. So that's probably the only time I get rid of shirts. No, that makes sense. I, I, it's not unusual. I sort of sell shirts. Um, sometimes you need to defund some more shirts. Sometimes you just fall out of love with a certain collection or, or want to take your collection in a in a new way. But um, it's good to see those shirts were sensibly priced and have flown out, Mike. But um, the Reebok ones. So what have we got coming up today? 
Well, our resident agony aunt, Tom, will be glad to know that we got another dear Tom this week. But first, we managed to speak to Glenn Joyce again, who anybody that uh, can remember, I believe it was episode 14. Um, we spoke to him before about his job at Reebok when he was basically the head hog for Reebok football. And, and we sat down and we listened to a few more of his stories. So I think everyone's going to enjoy this one. So today we are delighted to welcome back again, uh, even though there's a slight change of name with the pod, the ex-global director of Reebok and friend of ours, Glenn Joyce. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Scotty. How are you, pal? Good, thank you. And thank you for coming on again. Um, today I've got Mike with me um, because he's very interested in some of the stories that you were teasing the last time. So that the last time you were on, we kind of went through the process of you working for Reebok and a few of the shirt designs. But definitely the favourites from all of that were the, the actual stories that you had from dealing directly with the players. Mm. And I seem to remember there was a mention of a Parma, uh, a potential AC Milan story. But the one that I've definitely come back for was the you had a bet with Batistuta, I believe. <laughs> Batistuta part two. Yeah, um, AC Milan was... was- part of the story um palmer was a place that i visited on a, on a research trip when we were looking to develop a, a training collection and a collection of kits with the teams that we sponsored that were just a little bit we're taking the the industry forward in effect we noticed some of the italian styling uh, in the training kits and stuff um emanated from from italy so along with the apparel director uh, we did a, a mini trip out to Italy and we discovered some real stuff, real, really, really good stuff. And one of the, one of the most striking things with regards to what you don't see in the papers or you don't come across is the luxury that those sort of clubs have behind them. I think we all, when we have a bit of pasta, put a bit of Parmesan cheese on the top. I remember visiting the Milanello, which is, um, and you have to excuse my voice, by the way, I'm full of cold, mm. uh, the Milanello. Milan's training ground and watching the team train enormous squad distinctly remember it was a a really foggy cold misty winter morning squad were training in the distance I could just see this this lone figure jogging around the perimeter of an empty pitch on his own while the squad were training Uh, and it turned out after about five laps this player came towards us walked past us and it was Roberto Baggio um, he'd be isolated from the squad by um, Ali Gosaki and just training on his own. And his training consisted of just run around that pitch five times and he can go home. And it was quite a, quite a striking, uh, quite a striking feeling being in that presence of someone so great, being so belittled. And the bit about the Parmesan cheese was we went into the um, the restaurant for lunch afterwards, and it wasn't just like a a guy coming over and sprinkling a bit of Parmesan cheese. There was a huge, enormous Parmesan cheese there that he went with a pick, which was the first time I'd really experienced eating Parmesan as just a piece of cheese, you know. And this is obviously nothing to do with football. But um, the, the whole the whole thing about the setup at Milanello was a real eye-opener for us. The fact that you drove down a road and there were like cabin wood, cabin lodges there where the players stayed literally three or four days before a game. And um, yeah, it was a great experience. 
and something that helped us along the way of, of understanding you know some of the apparel that came out of that which later became part of the Reebok range was um was emanated from the from that visit to to Milan but we also did visit Parma as well and it was a shame that the first time I'd really experienced Parmesan cheese was in Milan and not Parma <laughs> I listened back to the the first feature that that you did for the pod mm. today and I'll be honest with you when I was listening to it some of the names that were dropping, there was Batistuta, there was the story about Valderrama's boots, which is one of my favourite stories I've ever heard on this podcast. There was Neil Ruddock and his shorts, there was the chilli kits. i got to admit, part of me was sat here thinking, has he got anything else to tell us? And then you go in the first one, you drop in Roberto Baggio running around the pitch. That's that's just, <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, that, that must have been quite a moment, because I mean, I know, obviously, you, in your time there, you met a lot of players, but obviously Baggio, he's, he's kind of God level for everybody, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the Valderrama story, I'm not con- good, condoning guns, but if you've got another gun story, I'll tell you one a bit later on. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've never been known to drop a name, says Pinocchio, but there, there are certain times when I was privileged to do the job I did. When I look back, if you look at all the sports brands in the world, Nike, Reebok, Adidas, Puma uh, were the biggest, and there were several other football brands out there, your Lottos, your Dudoras, etc. None of them had the same focus in terms of that role that I did. With your, sm- your smaller companies, didn't have that that, that focus. They would have maybe five, six, six people who would do you know bits and bobs in that one. So I looked back and I thought, this was later on in life. I looked back and thought I was possibly only one of three or four that had that privilege, which was which was mind-blowing when you think back later on. I think in an issue of um, 442 magazine in around about 95, and I have no idea how they come to this, but I think I was ranked in one of the, in the top 100 most influential people in football, which I have no idea how they came to that. And perhaps that, perhaps that stemmed from the players I was dealing with and the, and the club's I was dealing with, Reebok was dealing with. It wasn't just me; it was a huge team effort. So yeah, I, I was I was I was huge, hugely privileged, and I was privileged enough to be able to. I remember taking a mate to Old Trafford. I phoned him up a few days before and said, um, "What are you doing Wednesday night?" And this is another name drop story, by the way. Name we should have a, we should have a siren before it name drop name drop warning, and um, it was very blown away by the celeb factor. And he said, uh, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I've got a couple of VIP tickets. Because we were sponsored the Champions League back then. I said, I've got a couple of director's box tickets for Old Trafford, Manchester United. And it would have been possibly against, yeah, given the story, probably against Ajax. And so we get there, we get into the director's lounge. And the first person to come across me and shout my name and, and say hello was, was Bobby Charlton. Because we, we'd sponsored Bobby Charlton soccer schools over the years. And my mate's face was an absolute picture. Like you know, Bobby Charlton, and he came over, shook my hand. This is this is my friend Mark. And the next person that came was Kevin Keegan. Did the same thing, and he just looked at me and said, "What do you do?" <laughs> <laughs> the funniest, the funniest story about that was, so we sat in the stands in the director's box watching the game, and he turns to me and he says, "Look, sat next to me. Do you recognise him? Who is he? I think I know him." And I said. Yeah, you probably do know him. And unfortunately, on a podcast, you can't see my, 
my facial expressions, like looking to the left. And he said, who is he? I said, that's Johan Cruyff. And I, <laughs> I think he almost fainted at that point. I think he, he, he got a bit light-headed. And then I took him to another game later on, a couple of years later. And I said, do you recognise the guy sat in front of you, Mark? And he went, no, who is it? And it was back, it must have been, well, it was before smoking was banned, so you could smoke then, because this, this guy had a cigar, and the cigar smoke was rafting, he sat right in the seat in front of, in front of me, mate. I said, you know who he is? And he said, no, is he famous? And I went, just a bit, yeah. I said, that's Eusebio. He was like, <laughs> whoa, yeah. Just, just little bits like that. And, and, I, and I, I honestly, I thank God and I'm privileged that, you know, that I had had that in in, um, in my life. It was, it was great. Didn't regret leaving it at all, but um, yeah, it was great at the time. It's a great story. It's great to look back on, isn't it? Just the, the people you were rubbing shoulders with and the dealings you got to do. And as a football fan yourself, it's, it's like a dream job, isn't it? It, it, it? it was and it is. And I actually still do eat, sleep and drink football. Family first. Football second, I think works somewhere. I don't know in, in League Two or something like that. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, yeah, it was it was um, it was nice to be able to experience that and do that. And I, ne- I never thought as a, as a job even existed. I, and I don't think any of my pals did. You know, um, I, I, I come from a poor town. We had now as kids in Middlesbrough, and um, but I worked my way up and I got there. I did it through hard work, and that's an encouragement to anybody listening that. Um, Work hard, you'll get your, you'll get your rewards. One question I've got to ask, whilst just whilst we're on the names and the people you rub shoulders with, uh, was obviously you, you talk about it very calmly and, and very humbly about the people that you you were surrounded by. But can you remember? Was there a particular person that you were the most starstruck by? Because you talk about names like Charlton and Eusebio. I, I mean, I've got to be honest. I'm a bit like your mate. I think I would freeze. I, I remember seeing Dwight York. Yeah, I saw Dwight York outside Villa Park as like a ten-year-old and didn't know what to do. I couldn't speak. So yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't ten. But <laughs> I think that's the key thing. Definitely. I did do another podcast um, a few months ago for for Borough Mag, and we talked about my upbringing and my memories of Middlesbrough, your, your first games, and this sort of thing. Your favourite players and that sort of. Thing. And yeah, I was starstruck by um, a guy called David Mills, who actually played for the Baggies. He went to went to your rival from Middlesbrough, first half million pound footballer, and he was my hero as a kid. And years later, became a friend. But as a kid, first seeing him, he was eight foot six when he actually wasn't. He was only five foot eleven. But yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, in terms of meeting the players or the people that I worked with. I honestly can't say I was starstruck at all by, by anybody purely because that was one of the why to me with my first role within the football the football sector that you know I, I, I knew how footballers' brains worked I knew how footballers liked to be treated etc and I treat them all as yeah you know, like 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 I treat my mates sort of thing but on a professional basis if you like um, if we had a job to do we had a job to do. Um, it would be a photo shoot, uh, be a, a you know a, a, an international award-winning TV advert or whatever. Yeah, we had we had a job to do, you know, taking Giggsy and Corley to to the Champions League final in, in Rome. 
anything like that. Everything was professional. Everything was was nailed on, was sorted, and there was no there was no awe. I was fully appreciative and respectful of of what they were in terms of celebrity status. But I had a job to do, so you know that's that's really how it was. Was there any team that you would love to have worked with and done kits for that you didn't get to? Yeah, the Borough. <laughs> just purely, just purely because that's you're a fan. That would be. Like, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, we were in negotiations, and at the time of the negotiations, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I thought, oh my god, I'm going to sign a deal with my team, and I'm going to have an influence in the kit design. I'm going to have an influence in the training, everything. Oh my god, my house would be packed <laughs> with gear. <laughs> Um, and ultimately, I think we had sat down, we had negotiated with them, and they, they stayed with, ironically, they're, they're now their current um, sponsor, Area. They were with Area back then, and they stayed with Area. And I think that was, as I stated before, I think we were used as the bargaining tool, mm. and they wanted to stay with Area. And they looked and said, look, Reebok are in. Um, this is what they're, they're talking in terms of numbers. And Area were desperate to keep Middlesbrough. Uh, they had such an affiliation with the team. And, uh, yeah, so ultimately we didn't get it. Um, just reversing that question, I did also say that I was, I was asked the question of which team would I not have entertained? Uh, and this is this sounds harsh. I would have not attended a, a meeting to discuss the Sunderland kit. <laughs> um, that, that, said, that said, that said, that, that is not disrespectful to Sunderland because their following is massive. If crunch comes to crunch, we would have done it because it would everything we did, it's a business decision. It's not it's not a it's it's a, it's a you know it's a head, not a heart decision. But yeah, I might I might have been busy the day that uh, that meeting was, was called. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I I've got a question. So obviously you you mentioned that obviously you had talked about as being an influential person within football, and obviously I think what you were doing at Reebok was obviously part of that. So mm. I mean, you you were there till early to mid two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously you, your influence must have played a part in Reebok's involvement in football and football kits because. The decline came not long after you would have left because, mm. you know, you know, Reebok went from supplying Premier League clubs to almost nobody Nothing, by, yeah. by 2010. And, and I mean, so, so I think may, maybe your, your influence on that was probably bigger than even you anticipated at the time. Possibly bigger than I anticipated and possibly bigger than I realised. That trip to Italy, which I mentioned at the, at the start of the, of the pod, um, was really interesting. We, we brought out a, a training collection, um, you, you know, like your, your, your training shirts, shorts, tracky bottoms, tracky top, rain jacket, that sort of thing. We always had a training collection in the brand. And the year previous, I think I was promotions manager for sports. So I had cricket, volleyball, basketball, something else with a ball on the end and all sorts of sports so I you know I had, I had nine first class cricket counties to look after as well as four basketball teams three volleyball teams bits and bobs then realised because my background that football is probably the focus that we should we should give the guy and that trip to Italy we came back with got a hundred ideas 
we had a trading collection that previous year, and I think turnover for that collection for Reebok was around about 22 million a year for Reebok UK. We did that development trip and we played with with colours. I had this this love of a certain colour that which I thought we should put in. Um, and there was a little bit of toing and froing. I'm not too sure it worked with the design team and the design director, etc. And I kept going back to this colour, this colour, this colour, this colour needs to be involved. And eventually they went for it. And the, the colour was was fluorescent yellow. The following year, we we did 260 million quid's worth of business versus the previous year. Now that was that was the turning point of possibly Reebok believing should they be in football, should they not be in football, and I think that was possibly the turning point when they went. Do you know what? Yes, we can be, and yes, we could be, and we could be, we could be big players. Um, was that around 1998, 99 that you did that stuff, or was it I think it was about 90, 98, 99. Yeah, 98, 99, yeah. I remember um, that you had that really nice training top that had, and it had that fluorescent yellow Reebok badges and it was encased in the fluorescent yellow tubing and it went down the tape into the sleeve. It was gorgeous. That was that, That's the one, Scotty, yeah. 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 There was a whole collection of that. Um, and there was little bits that I, I, I try to keep my fingers in with. We were based in Lancaster, and there's a local team in Lancaster, um, Northern Premier League. I'm going to say I could be I could be wrong. Um, National League North, National League North, possibly. I, no, I forget which they're in now. They've been up and down that many times. <laughs> and, and we always used to give them just a, a, a playing kit. And um, I took it on board that year. I said, "Look, we're going to sit down. We're going to give Lancaster City a designer kit." And we made Lancaster City an exclusive kit. And their away kit was completely fluorescent yellow. And it caused quite a stir. And I have, I have, a, I have a good friend, Barry Stimson, who was, who was um, manager, assistant manager at the time up there. Um, and he raves about it now on Twitter. It's, um, it was something special, that one. But that fluorescent yellow really just took us to the next level. One simple colour, a simple pipe. Uh, and yeah, the taping down the arms, Scotty, was, uh, yeah, the, the Reebok vectors all down the arms. I um I, I remember that colour quite fondly to be honest because one of my one of my favourite football boots pairs of football boots I ever had had that fluorescent yellow on a Reebok pair as well so they were kind of black carbon grey and fluorescent yellow and they were incredible football boots and I would swear they were probably from the same range they were that same colour scheme and I I can was, remember that quite vividly. It was, the, it was the same year because we had an influence with the boot design team in, in the US which I later became head of. It was have a look at this colour, use this colour, and I, I, I think I think part of it was part of it was born from years and years ago. I, I was probably fifteen, and a kid who played against us in a school team match turned up in these boots. He was a, he was a he was a good player. Puma SPA Kings, SPA was Special Protection Achilles, had a slight little heel on the back of them, and Puma King was black and white. Puma SPA King was black, white and fluorescent yellow and it just stood out a mile. Yeah. And when he when he ran he looked like he was running faster. Um and I think that stuck in my mind as a kid. And yeah, so the, the, so those boots, Mike, would would have been influenced from across the pond by our training collection saying, have a look at this, give this little pipe and um you know it'll it'll take off. And there's a whole it's there's a whole collection there after that that colour stayed for quite a few years. You know, the DMX boot that Giggsy wore and Schmeichel wore and the Sidewinder boots that 
Schmeichel yeah. Schmeichel uh, with the flesh and yellow gorgeous as I say I listen back to the first feature so I'm not going to mention it too much but the one thing I do have to mention is obviously you did do Villa's kits I, I, yeah. I am a Villa fan and they're they're some <laughs> of my absolute favourites we've ever had one, one of the ones that we that you touched on in the, the first episode was, was brilliant for me to, to hear the story of I, I've, I've brought it to, to just kind of see if you remember the story <laughs> you told and if Scotty can remember it as well if you remember this one. Oh yes yeah, Bobby's so for, that's it. So for the people listening, they need to go back to listen to episode 14 when we first spoke to you. So basically, yeah, this is the Aston Villa goalkeeper shirt from 96, I think it is, 96, 97. Something like that. Do you know, and, it, talk, talking about being a kid in a sweet shop, <laughs> I, I, I turned up at Bodymore Heath with that in my bag. Spoken to Bozzy and said, uh, three of it after training, he said, uh, yeah, mate. <laughs> and he had a stupid, like squeaky laugh. <laughs> and he said, What is it? I said, It's an idea for a shirt for next season. Are you staying? He went, I'm staying, yeah. So we finished training. I was in the canteen having a bit of lunch. And he came in, got his lunch, and came and sat with me. He said, Right, get this shirt. I said, I can't get out of here. I said, I need to go to a, like a, another room. So he said, All right, we're going, we're going to the. Um, Got the physio's room. I said, it's packed in there. You've got loads of injured players. He went, yeah, that's not a good idea. I said, right, go in my car. So we went outside. I sat in my car. I said, I'm going to get this passed. What do you think? I took it out. And you talk about a kid in a sweet shop. I thought he was going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was like I'd given him a baggy green and said, there you go, mate. You're opening. Um, <laughs> it- it, you know, I think the, the mad thing about it is, as I say, being a Villa fan, growing up, you know, w- when I grew up in the night, I, I'm a, I was born in the 80s, grew up in the night, I was playing football. I wore Villa kits to play football and I always played in goal when I was a kid and I had Villa kits all the way through. And I, I until I listened to that podcast, it's ludicrous, but I never made the connection. It was that, you who uh, never uh, got uh, the connection. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I never, never, ever did. I never did. So so when when I heard you tell that story last time, that, that shit now means a little bit more to me just knowing that story but there is one other shirt I want to ask about before we get off Villa and I get shouted at by everybody else <laughs> we, we, stop, we, let, me, let me just stop you on that one thinking about the fluorescent yellow we did do Bozzy wore a Schmeichel wore a Villa kit with the fluorescent yellow vector in like a we, circle uh, we got th- this isn't quite fluorescent this one no that was yellow but this yellow. was one of my favourites but I, I I know the the one you mean I, I know exactly the one you mean because it had the um, silver yeah and it, it was the t- it was the template used by a lot of the international so I'm sure I remember sort of like Jose Luis Schillever wearing it at a World Cup yes. as well and that that is I do have one of those somewhere I have the blue version the black and black blue and purple version I think mm. any and most people listen they'll probably know what this kit is but we'll share some pictures of it and so on as well that is an incredible template and it's it's for Villa fans it's one of the ones that people want as well, but I've I've never seen the yellow one for sale. So whether they were commercially available or not, I, I don't know. I've only ever seen the the navy blue and purple one for sale. Possibly, they should they should have been. Yeah, you, Goal, uh, goalkeeper, it, goalkeeper goalkeeper kits and shirts were one percent of your turnover. You know, it was just like. Do we bother or do we not bother? For for Villa, I was that one percent. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, when you when you've got a guy who's has got an influence in 
the designer and manufacturer of the products who's a goalkeeper. Yeah. It, it was never he was never going to be a no. It's like let's bet the goalkeeper's <laughs> kid the best. But the one of the shirt I have I do have to ask about. We the, the home shirt we had for ninety eight ninety nine. I've got it here in case you, I'm sure you probably remember, but this one here. Oh, I do. Right. What was the material about on this one? This is really unusual. So for, for anybody listening, I'm holding up the Villa 9899 home shirt. It's a claret shirt, blue sleeves. But what's different about this one is I wondered if there was the American influence on this because the material is so close to the sort of like mesh of uh, a basketball or NFL type jersey. If, if I don't have a light here, but if you if you held that up to the light, oh, you can see it on the screen that I'm holding oh, yeah, up now. Yeah. It is it is near on see-through. I can't wear that to Villa Park because people have seen my private bits through, and, and I'm not really keen on showing them off really when I'm still, still <laughs> in, in the North Stand. But I'm just curious, like I've spoken to Villa fans about it and any, any Villa fan that's listening will know exactly what we're talking about. But do, do you know, do you happen to know what why that material is so vastly different from everything else we had from Rebar? Yeah, and it goes back to the first bit of the, of the show, the, the, the Italy trip. Just, just answering one point you made there. Did, did the Americans influence that because of the NBA and that sort of thing? The Americans never once influenced any part of the UK's design process. <laughs> Door was locked. <laughs> um, it's um, we brought back with us some Italian national shirts made by Kappa, who were literally. They were, they were almost spray painted on uh, of the most beautiful lycra type material and we looked at that and we looked at the path of the football shirt so the start of the Premier League where the shirts were so huge so big and baggy on everybody and then suddenly we came across years later this this tight fitting body hugging um, designed by Kappa so we looked and thought we can't, we, we can't go to to that level as, as a brand who are developing football. So we so we took the mix of the baggy shirt, we slimmed the template down, we slimmed the, the whole shape of it down, but made it lighter. And the, the, the lighter material reduced the weight of the shirt because they were heavy shirts. And also the the the, the involvement of hide remove technology, which was um wicking a wicking material so there's a, there a lot of factors based behind that um but yeah it was just trying to evolve and make the shirts lighter and easier for the, and, and they, they, they would always the same shirts that the players wore as well and that was one of the common feedback things that shirts got very heavy when it it was a cold Tuesday night in Stoke raining <laughs> did, did Julian Jorcham wear a triple XL then because I as soon as you lifted up that shirt, man, I just remember him with the sleeves down at his forearms. There were so many like that, wasn't there? <laughs> it, it, it is funny. I was, I was thinking about this the other day, and I actually genuinely think that the whole 90s shirts being so big is actually a little bit of a myth. I just think that nobody wore their size, because sometimes if I buy I, I, I wear a size small, so I buy everything in a size small. And I'm telling you now, a lot of 90s shirts, they fit very, very similarly to what today's do. There are exceptions. Of course, there are. But for example, Reebok, all of my Reeboks are small and they aren't that too dissimilar. It's more the shape that differs. So all those players back in those late, late uh, mid to late 90s, 
have to have been wearing enormous sizes for them to fit like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there was. I think as clubs developed in terms of sports science, physiotherapy, personal training, that sort of thing, then the brands did as well. And you've got. I remember Liverpool, you know, towards towards the end before I left, was we probably had like six different sizes of shirts going in there for certain players. And it was almost it was almost that player X, they're his shirts. Player Z, they're his shirts. Back then we made large and extra large. There's your shirts. Your big huge articulated lorry full of um Football shirts for Jim Paul at Bodyball Heath. <laughs> Brilliant. Was like the as well. Eight stone eh? right and then big man new shirts. Yeah, yeah. But then you get, and that, I think that's what I think it, everyone was just the same, umbrella were the same. Just, yeah, there's your shirt. Put your yeah. shirt on and wear it. So before we prod you for the for the final part of a Batistuta story there is one other thing that we need to do on this podcast because for anybody that, that follows Scott which I think will be the majority of the people listening they'll know that he's got quite an extensive football shirt collection and he has revealed 499 of those I believe on on Twitter and Glenn kindly promised to gift him his 500th. Now, I'm dearly hoping this is a Liverpool shirt to ruin the whole moment for Scott, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. So I think what we're going to do now, if everyone's happy, before we go back to Batisute, is for Scott to open that shirt and we'll have a little look at what Glenn sent him. So first of all, I'm going to say thank you now because I won't be after if it's a Liverpool shirt. But it's very, <laughs> well, can, very can I just say something? As, you, as your mother probably told you at Christmas, if it doesn't fit or you don't like it, the receipt. <laughs> so, so you can't change it. Yeah. You, made a co- you made a comment on Twitter a few weeks ago and there were two shirts that you, you were going to get sent, mate, for number 500. And I couldn't decide, I couldn't honestly decide which one you were going to get. And you made a comment on Twitter a few weeks ago and I went, that's the shirt. <laughs> okay, now I'm nervous. So here we go. <laughs> Just to prove that go. I haven't had a sneak peek because it's been sat in my house for a week and a half. Yeah. And I also have to be very careful that I don't cut the shirt as I open it. Please don't cut the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the anticipation's killing everybody like me when they're listening to this. Wow. Scott's comment on Twitter was we do like a bit of Opal. Wow. So that's Look an AC that. Milan. AC goalkeeper Milan. shirt, Pagotto 25, Champions League issue. Yeah, got the patch. That is amazing. I, I noticed it's got the, the, the proper European sponsor on with no Opal logo above the word in as well. Yeah. That's incredible. That's amazing. So at the top of the show, when we talked about that day at the Milanello, watching Baggio train on his own, that was the kit man took me into the kit room and said I give you shirt this is for you because <laughs> you knew I was a goalkeeper as well wow thank you so much Glenn that is amazing it is nice, probably it? lovely felt name set yeah AC Milan badge I, I believe as opposed to the front 
I'm going to have to snip, as long as you don't mind, Glenn, I'm going to have to snip the little video up for people to see this because Scott is yeah. like, he's like a kid at Christmas right now. <laughs> this is the most he's ever smiled on this podcast. <laughs> it is beautiful. It's, um, it's got the Milan yeah. badge on the arm, uh, the, um, the the gold star on the side, and of course the um, Italian Cup winners, uh, not, the, not the Italian Cup, Italian League winners, Italian badge on the on the, on the chest. It's a uh, yeah, shirt. That is amazing. Look at the design of that as well. That lovely lime green. Yeah. That is amazing. So it's almost fluorescent green. It's lime green. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, it, that, no, it, that's, a, that's a beautiful looking shirt. I'll be honest with you. I've never, I've never seen that one before myself. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big collector of Italian shirts, so that probably won't be a surprise to some people. But I've, I've never seen that shirt before, and it is stunning. It's a beautiful looking shirt. Adrian's going to be raging. <laughs> yeah. no, honestly, it was it, it was interesting that the, the, the message you put out about um when i said scotty when it comes to 500 i'll give you number 500 the response on twitter from that was incredible and then leading up to it people getting more and more excited i think yeah it's it's uh it, listen enjoy it it's, well it's i'm a nice looking shirt I told my parents because they will obviously have seen the from child to adult all these football shirts coming in. When I told them, they were like, "Oh, what? What's that that's come for you?" I said, "You, you won't believe me if I tell you." And they're like, "Well, what is it?" I said, "Well, the ex global director of Reebok has told me that he's going to gift me number five hundred, and they couldn't they couldn't believe it." So, the ex global director of football for Reebok International has sent me a lot of shirts. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I didn't notice it was a lot. Like, <laughs> but it comes. But how good is it that you told the story about Milan at the start of the podcast, not with me not knowing what was in the bag, and it's one of the shirts you took back from the trip. And how did I not almost slip out? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny. And now, now you say that, I remember when when you first started talking, you were quite hesitant to talk about there Milan. Was, was, so now we a, know there, why. There was a pause. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, yeah. that's yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I know, obviously, Scott's happy, but yeah, that's an incredibly kind gesture, and I know that everyone listening will think that's an incredible gift that you've given Scott. So, I'm gonna have to bring it back to the pod, though, and and Scott, Scott's gonna have to calm down a little bit because to finish off, we need to to hear your your final story. Batty Stuter Part Two. So, I think the first story about Batty. Um, absolutely adore and just love the guy a bit was hit the crossbar which I beat him at on the pitch in, in, in Florence so a few months later return visit there because we did, we did another photo shoot for the Argentina shirt and he says to me in his, in his, his broken English um, I beat you this time and I said what at? This is like through an interpreter as well. And he gets the ball. So he's got, he's, he's got a full football kit on and his Reebok boots. And he takes me over to the corner flag. I've got a pair of Chino shorts on, a, a Reebok Global Socket polo shirt and a pair of leather classics. And he says, score from the corner. That's uh, no, okay. So anyway, I said, you first. So it's his first in the side netting. Um, and, and to cut a short story long it's his second one hits the bar and I went no wrong game 
And then his third one, he whips it in to the far post. Sudden death. And I went, no need. With a pair of leather classics on. I put the ball in the corner flag, looked at it, and I've done the um, Rob Andrew, Johnny Wilkinson type stance, ready, <laughs> ready for, a, ready for a, um, a, a penalty kick in, in rugby. And I've swung at it, caught it, clean as a nut, off the knuckle of my big toe, and it starts curving and starts curving. And Batty just goes... No! <laughs> and it's a one bounce, wet in the back of the net. I took him a Bobby Charlton scoring years ago and he jumps on, he jumps on his mate with his arm in the air. And that was me to bat it. And he caught me, bless him. <laughs> All credit to him. And he's going, no, and I'm going, yeah, to an empty Florence stadium. And uh, he still doesn't pay me any money for that either. So he still has the cash for that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's really... I'm tempted one day to turn up on his ranch in Argentina and say, yeah, you, you owe me 20 quid, pal. <laughs> That's just amazing that you've had a kickabout with Batistuta, though. That is unbelievable. What a memory. It, 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 yeah, it, yeah it, was, it, was, it was fun. Because what that stemmed back from was very first meeting, and I don't know if I, if I mentioned this in the, the first uh, podcast, he dealt with Americans prior to that who couldn't kick a ball, had never kicked a ball. And I turned up for this first photo shoot with him as an English guy. So instantly he had, this might sound wrong, but a bit more respect coming from a nation that plays football. Yeah. And then he pinged a ball at me and I controlled it. I actually caught it because I'm a goalkeeper. But then I pinged one back at him and he looked, he thought, this guy knows about football. I think that's what it was. That That sounds very blasé. But I think, um, yeah, he, he just felt, going back to the bit about being in awe and feeling relaxed, I think there was a respect, massive respect from my side to him, but I think there was a respect back as well, which, which helped our relationship greatly. Amazing. Yeah. There's, there's no better way to finish this particular podcast. I think there's definitely a, a potential for a third part, because it sounds to me like you dropped a few more teasers in there for... <laughs> and what I mean, I mean, we, we deliberately, got, yeah, we, we've got Gary Pallister's boots to to come back to now, yeah. haven't we? So, so obviously, and, and, from, the, gun, and the gun in Panama, <laughs> yeah, exactly, that, yeah. yeah. So, I'm gonna just say thanks for joining us today. And for me, it was nice to meet you for the first time because obviously I didn't do the first interview. And I'm just gonna let Scott say his thank yous and sign off. First of all, thank you for coming back again. You, you're, a, you're a great guest and your story's in, incredible. But personally, from me, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for sending me that 500th shirt. And it comes Absolute with a pleasure, Scotty. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so thankful. And it, it, it's, um, it's actually nice of you to allow me to give you your 500th shirt. Forever etched in history and it will never leave the collection. There we go. <laughs> if any of the listeners... Um, any similar ideas though i'm not giving any more of my shirts away <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 good good to hear honestly unless unless <laughs> unless, unless mike has a special thing with a villa one because i've got something somewhere in there in somewhere in the box there's something special villa. <laughs> 
well, we'll 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 save that for for later down the line. And honestly, just I'm just, I'm just glad to talk to you, hear your stories, and honestly, it's it's going to make for a great listen for everybody to to catch up on part two. So thanks a lot, and hopefully, like I say, we'll talk to you again for part three soon. Nice to speak to you guys. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Great to hear from Glenn again. I remember my chat with him fondly from before. Could have spoken to him for hours. So it's good to see him come back for part two. And that shirt he gave Scott. How has Scott managed to swindle his way in there? That's outrageous. <laughs> it's, a, it's a quality shirt as well. And do you know what I love? The, I'll tell you what I loved about that interview with, with Glenn is, as I said in the interview, when, when I listen, because I listened back to the first one just to make sure we didn't cover anything twice. The name drops were insane. There was Ruddock and, and Andy Cole and, and Batistuta. I just, I couldn't believe he'd have that much more to tell us. So when the first name he drops in is Roberto Baggio, that it's just mind-blowing, isn't it, that anybody can have that sort of job? I think it's absolutely amazing that we've given people a divine feature on Valentine's Day. Oh, Tom, you're good. You're good. You're so good, in fact. It's a little letter that's uh, made its way to you. I'm more prepared this week. Here we go, listeners. It's Dear Tom. Dear Tom, can you help me, please? I've been with my girlfriend for two years and we recently agreed that we'd live together. We found a perfect flat and we moved in. After several trips to Ikea, we finally got the place looking and feeling like our own. She even let me put up my own signed picture of Chris Sutton in a downstairs toilet. However, things have taken a turn for the worse. Last week, I returned home from work to a burning smell. It wasn't my dinner. No, even worse than that. It was the smouldering smell of my football shirts in the tumble dryer. Seven of my favourite 90 shirts have been completely destroyed. Sponsors, namesets, patches. I don't know what to do. I just can't look at her anymore, let alone live with her. Tom, what shall I do? From Anonymous. Right, well, what I have to say, first off the bat, is... This is the the week of love. I'm going to fall on that side of things and be Kit Cupid. And what I'm going to say is, in any relationship, in a loving, kind and caring relationship, two things are important. The first, because you're going to need it, is forgiveness. You need to forgive her this truly fucking heinous crime, if I'm honest. And then the second thing which is the thing you really need to take forward once you get the first thing out of the way, is communication. You always need good communication in a relationship. And she needs to be told pretty fucking quickly that it's not what you do with 90s football shirts. So probably need to have some kind of chat about how the laundry is done. And to give her the benefit of the doubt, why are you not washing and sorting out your own football shirts if that mean that much to you? you know show them a bit of love you wouldn't hand your partner to your friends to deal with i wouldn't have my football shirts to my missus to deal with i sort them out myself so i think you know six or one half a dozen of the other for who's at fault here but forgiveness and communication you'll get through it and also it would help if maybe she replaced a couple of them but that's for you to decide tom that's amazing advice you get you're getting better 
I was prepared this week. It caught me on the hop a little bit last week. So. <laughs> I think just just one week, can we run a little experiment? So just one week, we'll give it a few weeks, but I think we should do one as a dear Scott because it'll be shorter, sharper and a quicker fucking answer. Yeah, I don't think even in the week of love, he would have um, gone the direction you did there, Tom. Well, I think we're pretty much done today, lads. Um, some time back for everybody to go and spend a bit of time with the most precious, special things in their lives. Um, they can go and sort out their football shirts. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that, that's a good idea. I've already done mine though, but um, but you know, actually, it's funny. Some somebody just before we do end the, the podcast and do our usual thank yous and so on. Some, somebody asked me a question this week, but I actually think it's quite a good one. So I've kind of f- switched it up a little bit. And I'm going to put it across as a "Would you rather?" So if you gun to your head, would you rather? Give up your football shirt collection or give up going to live football. Now, th- this came about because somebody asked me, so I was chatting to, to, to a new work colleague about my football shirt collection. And he asked if I'm, if I'm really into football or if I just like the kits. And I think, you know, there are people that do that. But for me personally, I go to a lot of live football. So it made me, it made me think, you know, if, if you had to choose... I'm going to come to you, Tom, first. What what would you do? Would you, would you give up live football or would you give up your football shirt collection? It's really tough. So do I have to give up the ones I own or just not buy anymore? No, you've got to give them up. You've got to give them up. Mm. See, this may be easier for me because of my job. I work pretty much every time there is live football on. Saturdays evenings Champions League evenings so I don't actually get to go to live football very often at all but then saying that some of the highlights of my year is when I get to go away and and, you know visit new stadiums and see new teams and places I'm not sure I'd want to get oh this is it's really hard I think you know like it's not often I'm I'm serious on this podcast but I am going to be serious for a second and I think I love football shirts. I've said so many times. It reminds me, they remind me of moments in life, times in my life and, and good memories. But without the football and the live football, I wouldn't have that interest or those memories. So I think really I would give up the football shirts. I'm going to be exactly the same as you, Tom. I think especially having a few young kids running around with me and things like that you know the opportunity to take them to the games and things like we do it's great bonding time and I, I wouldn't want to want to give that up and of course that weekend we had together Tom as well I wouldn't want to give that up <laughs> I'd give up the shirts first but um you know when when I thought about it I'll be honest with you I think my, my answer has changed based on what I would have said last week and what I would say today because this past weekend gone I actually took my my son who's five years old to his first football match just at my my local Cheltenham town which is which is where I went to my first football match when my dad took me when I was a little bit older than him and I think before that experience, I would have said I'd give up live football because I love football shirts. You know, collecting them is, is it really is a passion and we're all the same. We do it not just for the shirts themselves, but as you say, for the memories, we're, we're all geeks when it comes to the designs and the patterns and so on. But there is no greater feeling than taking your little boy to his first ever football match. So I think, yeah it's probably not the answer we should be given because we do a, po- a podcast based on football shirts. But you know what? I think it just goes to show, doesn't it? There are some things that are far more important than football shirts. 
And it's another type of love, Mike. You know, that's what we're all here for. Just a word of warning to people, though, if you're not ready for that type of commitment right now um, and you don't want to be going to football with new children come November, just just obviously take precautions tonight. It is yeah, the season. <laughs> I like that, would you rather? That was a nice little uh, nice little interlude. Very nice. Right, we definitely are wrapping up now. I can, uh, I can hear the love music. I can hear the bath running. I know, uh, I know my wife wants me to go and... Um, watch the Champions League where she has a bath. Uh, what, um, what have we got coming up during the week? What are our usual threads, gentlemen? So we have Teams in Focus on a Wednesday, which, again, really appreciate the support we've been getting on those threads. And then on Saturdays, we have our career in kits. And, yeah, nice to see that these things are popular and that it's uh, becoming a bit of a trend across the timeline. So good to see. Yeah, just to add to that, I haven't even told you guys, but a couple of ideas for new threads that we might even bring in as well. But more importantly than that, anybody who follows us on Twitter will notice that we're getting desperately close now to getting 10,000 followers on there. So we're going to be doing something a little bit special when that comes up. And we've already had some amazing prizes given to us by EH Retro Kits and Granny's Football Store to do a few giveaways to celebrate and thank everybody for what they've done. And there's going to be even more in store as well. This sounds exciting. What else have we got coming to people's ears next week? Mike, I put you on the spot the last two weeks. Tom, I want to check if you listen to what Mike says and uh, all the various chats we have going. So, Tom, what features have we got coming up over the next few weeks? Champions League is back this week and we have a PSG special, which Scott will definitely be here for because I know absolutely bugger all about PSG shirts. So he needs to be here for that. And we've got that one coming up next week. We have. We've also got a Liverpool special in the bank and we've got an Atalanta special recorded. So loads and loads of stuff coming up over the next few weeks for everybody. So yeah, just one more time. Thanks to everybody that follows, interacts, retweets, does everything on the socials for us. And don't forget we're we're across all the socials. We are on Twitter, uh, which is obviously where most of our, our sort of like uh, interaction takes place. But we are on Instagram. We do a little bit on there. We do do an occasional bit for the kids on TikTok as well. All you got to do is search. They think kits all over. You will find us on all of those places. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. And for Valentine's Day, It's definitely not over. Keep going. Hold on to those you love. Bye-bye. We did embrace the Valentine's theme today, didn't we? (laughs) We did. It was Mike getting out of the shower that did it. (laughs) Christ, I remember not to fucking do that again.